Hello and welcome back to Property Unlocked. I'm Scarlett Douglas. And I'm Stuart Douglas. Now we believe that property should be fun, accessible and profitable for everyone. Yes, so this podcast provides valuable insights from experts and influencers in the property scene. Whether you're a first-time buyer, renovating your home or just curious about the property scene, we've got you covered. Now we are here to give you the information you need to make informed decisions and take your property game to the next level. With amazing guests lined up to join us along the way, we're excited to share our knowledge and experience with you. Welcome to Property Unlocked. Today, we welcome seasoned property investor and entrepreneur TJ Atkinson. With a portfolio of buy-to-let and commercial properties in London and Kent, TJ specialises in rent-to-rent serviced accommodation. TJ's expertise is showcased in his Amazon best-selling book, The Borrowed Property Strategy, how anyone can earn an income from other people's property. And can you believe TJ actually wants to be a comedian? He wants to give up property to be a comedian. I don't think he should do that. I don't think so, but who knows? He could be quite funny. That comment itself is funny. (laughs) Well, let's find out. (laughs) Hey, TJ, how are you? I'm well, I'm good. Yeah, first of all, we need to talk about the merch. BSB, Buy Street Boys. Yes, I'm a gang member. In a positive way. Yes, okay, tell us a little bit more about that. So a bunch of us, about four of us, Mm -hmm. and we're focused on buying properties and trying to buy streets. So at the moment, I own four properties on one street and another four properties on another street. So it's kind of full circle from not owning anything to owning two streets soon. Wow. So it's not just footballers that can buy streets. No. Buy street boys can also do that. Buy street boys. All right. right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should become singers. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe not. So look, TJ, let's kind of start at the beginning. How did you get into property and what is it about it that you love so much? I fell into property. I grew up in a council estate. In fact, to be totally honest, I hated everything to do with property. Oh. So we grew up in Camberwell and we had a two-bed flat. We moved from Nigeria. We were kind of rich in Nigeria. We mm-hmm. came here and we had a two-bed flat. One of the rooms was full of mould, so we couldn't even stay there. So five of us sleeping in one room. And I guess it sounds like a sob story, but I think it's actually the case for many people right now. Yeah. But I hated everything to do with the government because I said, well, why would they give us this house? Mm-hmm. And then one day, cutting a long story short, I went to visit one of my friends in West London, a guy called Nick. And as I walked into his house in Shepherd's Bush, the heating was on. And I was like, what is that? Mm. Why is there heating? Because we never had any heating at home. Wow. And then I said to his dad, hey, Mr. Rose, you guys are really lucky the government gave you this beautiful, amazing home. And he's looking at me like, what do you mean they gave you this home? I said, yeah, well, the government give out houses. And he said, no, I bought this. So I finished eating my shepherd's pie or whatever it was I was eating. (laughs) (laughs) And I ran all the way back home and I stood in front of the TV in front of my mum and dad and said, mum, dad, I've got an idea. We don't have to live here anymore. They're looking at me like, get out of the front of the TV, mate. (laughs) And how old are you at this point? I think year seven, year eight. Okay. So 11, 12. Mm -hmm. My mum and dad said, oh, in the Nigerian accent, oh yeah, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. So I said, mum, dad, we don't have to live here. We can buy a house. And they just burst out laughing. And I was like, why don't we just buy a house? Because I just assumed you can buy a house, you can buy a house. Yeah. But I gave up on the idea of property since then. I just thought, you know what, forget about it. It's not for me. But fast forward 10, 15 years later, I would meet a family and they're in property. And the dad gave me my first opportunity. And here we are now. So when you say you met a family, like how did that meeting come about? And it was that the watershed moment that everything changed for you? No, so I had a recruitment business. So I finished uni, I studied HR at uni. And the reason I studied HR is because I didn't listen for four years of my whole degree. I just thought (laughs) HR was hiring and firing. So I got excited about it. And I came out into the real world, 
And the first job I got was HR admin. And I was like, okay, this isn't what I paid all this uni money for. Mm. So I decided to go into recruitment, which was still kind of a level of HR that I got sacked straight away. So I started <laughs> up my own recruitment <laughs> business. Right. I turned my mum's garage or my mum turned her garage into my first ever office. Mm. And that was doing really well. We outgrew the office and we moved just around the corner from here to our second office, a place called Tower 42, I think just around Liverpool Street. And one day I went to Germany and I got off at Frankfurt Airport. I literally fell in love with every single person I could see. They were all just beautiful. I said, oh my God, I'm in love, I'm in love. So I came back, I came back to London, sat down in front of my business partner, who I'm seeing tomorrow because I'm traveling to Stockholm. I said, listen, I know our business is doing well at the moment, but I've got a good idea. Why don't we move the business to Germany? And he's looking at me thinking, this makes no sense. But my crazy ideas, although they're crazy, they tend to work out. Right. So I persuaded him. I said, look, we're bringing all these students from the EU to London to go into these banks and finance companies. Why don't we go to Germany and we can get the best candidates first? So we moved to Germany. Wow. It's not wow. Uh-oh. No, not okay. at all. Because as you know, in the UK, we're personality driven. You can walk into a room or you can walk into an environment and talk about football, for example, mm -hmm. and you could build commonality. Yeah. Germany, different story. Right. Oh. So I walked in, me being me. Hey, how are you? My name's TJ. I do this, this. Silent. Oh, no. First one. And I blamed it on racism a little bit. I said, oh, you know what? You pulled a race card out. I pulled the race card straight away. I've moved my own whole business to another country. I pulled the race card straight away. Went into my second meeting. Silence again. So at that point, I had to admit to my business partner why I'd really brought him here. And I said, listen, bro, I came for the girls. So let's go back home. But we decided to give it one more shot. We met a young man, we trained him up on sales, and we took that business in less than one year to over a million euros. Wow. And things were going incredibly well. So this is when I talk about mentoring people, because the truth is, you only know what you know. Mm -hmm. And I know how to sell. I know how to motivate my staff. I didn't know how to run a business. Right. So one day we get a call from the accountant. He's coming in. And as he sits in front of us, he says, who was responsible for invoicing this company and that company? I'm pointing at my business partner. He's pointing at me. I'm saying it was him. He's saying it's me. Yeah. One of us had forgotten to invoice at least two or three of our companies, and they usually pay us in 60 and 90 day cycles. Right. So we were over leveraged. We had no money in the bank to right. pay for the 20 plus staff, yeah. to pay for the office, to pay for my car. If you guys remember, my favorite car was a BMW 645. Shows how old I am. <laughs> but that was my dream car, and I couldn't pay for it anymore. Mm. So the whole business came crashing down. Right. I moved back to London. Problem. As I walk into my house, because I'd been away for about a year, my Nigerian mum had moved the Nigerian auntie into my bed. Right. So now I'm looking at this lady thinking, I hate life. My business has failed. I'm no one. Now there's this auntie in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to carry my luggage back downstairs and it became quite depressive because the only place I could sleep was the office that my mum had created right. where everything had started. Yep. And my mum walked into the room one day and she said, hey, TJ. In fact, she didn't call me TJ, she called my mum Nigerian name. She said, hey, Tolu, in a Nigerian name. <laughs> and I always tell this story because it's so interesting to me. And as I'm trying to slowly build a relationship, a more emotional relationship with my family, my mum walks into the room and I'm lying down crying watching TV. And I'm assuming she's going to walk in, stroke my head and say, hey, son, it's okay. It's going to be all right. It didn't happen. Still will never happen. <laughs> she burst through the door, number one. Nigerian parents don't like to knock on doors. I don't mm -hmm. know why. I guess it's their home. And she said, Tolu, if you don't stand up and go and find a job, I'm throwing you out. Mm -hmm. That's now, simple. That was simple as simple. But she said something that changed my life. You've done it before, go and do it again. Right. Mm. And for me, I had read something by Tony Robbins. 
And he says, success leaves clues. And for me, it was exactly the same thing. Yeah. If you've done it before, all you need to do is pick yourself back up and go and replicate it. Yeah. And that's how, long story, I ended up in property. I started hanging around with my cousin. He was hanging around some Asian family and they lived around Orpington, Bromley, yeah. sort of area. I walked into the house one day and the dad had a Bentley, he had a Range Rover, he had kind of a swimming pool in his front garden. I'm yeah. like, oh, what wow. is this? Like, yeah. yo, <laughs> someone's rich. And um, Mr. Yusuf, his name was, and he said to me, do you know how to manage property? And I'd read a quote by Richard Branson, if someone gives you an opportunity and you don't know what to say, say yes. Say yes. Yeah. Before he finished the sentence, I was like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so he gave me a set of keys and said, manage these for me. So I literally, as, as much as it sounds like I was given a leg up. I was given a leg up. So why did he entrust you? Like, how did that come about? Like, I can tell you exactly the reason, because he told me why. He said he had heard his son, because he was rich. So every young person was hanging out at his house. Yeah. He had overheard his son talking to one of the son's friends that his father was worth six million. Right. And when the dad dies, the son was going to get two million, the brother gets two million, the mum gets one million, and the sister gets one million. Right. No dad wants to hear that. Right. So the dad said, my son's playing games. I'm going to use you against my son. Regardless, I learned the lesson I was supposed to learn. Right. Eventually, the relationship came breaking down because the kids realized that I was trying to get adopted by their dad <laughs> <laughs> and get part of my yeah. six million. <laughs> but that's how I got into property. Right. Okay. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because everybody has a different route into property and yours completely different to mine, completely different to Stuart's. But what is it about property now that, and I guess then, that's kind of kept you in this space? The money. Fair enough. Simple as simple. Honest, yeah. Now, it's not today's money, it's future money. So I think for every single person that wants to make money, you first got to focus on creating income, today's money. Make sure you're looking after yourself today. Property is future money, it's insurance. Mm. Essentially, it says, do you know what? No matter what happens in the future, you'll be okay. The way I live my life as an entrepreneur, the main reason I do property is simply because of insurance. If poo hits the fan, can I say poo? Yeah, you can yeah. say poo. Okay, cool. I like that you went for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if poo hits the fan, no matter what happens, I can sell a few properties and get myself back up. Mm. So I've got a question for you. I enjoy property. I enjoy renovating houses. Mm. I get a bus from it. Do you enjoy it or is it strictly business? I don't enjoy it. You don't? It's, no. See, I find it fascinating when people say, oh my God, I love property. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't enjoy property. It's... It's a job for me, but I'm all about outsourcing. We've just completed a refurbishment today. My builder's done the refurbishment. We've done everything via Zoom. Just bought my first plot of land, actually. Oh, great. Hey, this was on Tuesday, just this week gone. Yes. I don't know if it's congratulations, because again, I'm pooing myself. Okay. I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> but that's going to be an interesting challenge. I like the challenge. Right. So for me right now, the renovation side of stuff, I think I've, like a computer game, I've clocked it now. Yeah. And I need a challenge, consistently need something to keep me going. Yeah. I need to be motivated. So that's why I say I don't really enjoy property. I enjoy the challenge associated with property. Right. And I'm always seeking out a new challenge to grow. So then what satisfies you, TJ? It's a good question. It's a question I've been asking myself. So I've been studying happiness for maybe the last two years. I'm looking for that one thing that will make me happy. But again, I come to realize that there isn't that one thing that will make you happy. But you've got to find small things that make you happy. For me right now, one thing that's making me very happy is making other people happy. Right, yeah. So in my opinion, it's the biggest hack in the world. If you can make someone else happy, you automatically get happy and it's a flurry of serotonin. Mm -hmm. So leading back to why I'm focusing over the next 12 months, trying to give away a million pound, is because I'm going to experience such levels of happiness and 
I also get financially rewarded regardless. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to feel great about myself. And when you feel great about yourself, you're more optimistic. When you're more optimistic, you take more action. When you take more action, you see more results. So I'm just trying to hack happiness. I'm focused on happiness and whatever it is that makes me happy, that's what I'm going to gravitate towards. So do you think you mentor in property, basically? You teach people, I hope, how to be successful in property. So is that more gratifying than you doing property yourself now? And do you think you'll transition out of property and do more of that? Yes and no. So I do get more joy from seeing other people succeed. I've got a young kid. He's 18, totally changed his life. I used to run a project called Boys to Men. Don't sue me, Boys to Men. <laughs> but where I take at-risk 11-year-olds to 18-year-olds and we pull out the fancy cars, pull out the fancy watches, and we put them in a room and I teach them about property. And out of the hundreds of people that we've taught, we've had about three or four people who have totally changed their lives. This boy, he's now 19, he started at 15, and he's generating over £100,000 per month wow. as a 19-year-old. I'm happy. Yes, yeah. Because incredible. he's hired his mum. He spent much more time with his mum. He's now hired his brother. Right. Mm. He's now running a business for himself and his family. That makes me incredibly happy. Yeah. And I get a slice of it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly you have had a huge impact on a lot of people and you are going to continue having impacts on people. You mentioned that this year you'll be doing a giveaway. So let's talk a little bit more about that, please. Yes, yeah, so I give money away regardless. I think every single person should, regardless of your religion or, or anything, simply because it does make you happy. Helping someone makes you happy. This was September. I gave £300 to a church and I said, do what you want with it. And I got a text message about two or three days later and it said, hey, thank you so much for the money. I only had 78 pence in my account to feed my family this week. And I got a little bit angry when I received that text because I thought it was a lie. Right. I was quite naive. I didn't know genuinely, maybe privileged to some degree because I'm making money. And I thought, hold on one second, you ungrateful little person. Why are you lying that you only had 78 pence in your account? So I got on the phone with her, ready to tell her off saying, you've taken money from someone that really deserves it. Mm. And she broke down the whole story. Husband had left, she was struggling. And she told me that that week she was going to go and shoplift. I've got the text message. She was going to go and shoplift no. in order to feed her kids. So I sent her another 500 pound, but that changed everything for me. Because my book was supposed to come out in January. I'd been telling everyone, I'm leaving property, I'm leaving property to bring out a book. We've started a marketing campaign. Spoke to this woman in September, and I realised that people are genuinely struggling. Mm. That there are people with kids that don't have one pound to feed their kids. So I went and I was chilling with my brother and his family. And I said to my niece, oh, do you know what? This is what happened. Because I try and get them involved in everything yeah. I do, just yeah. to try and teach them to be good human beings. And she said something. She said, oh, that's really weird. Can I give her some money? Right. So at that point, her mum's looking saying, you're not giving her any of your money. But I managed to get her. She had £100 in her savings account. We took that out and we decided to do another giveaway. But then my niece came back to me and said, oh, can we do this as a business? And I said, let's do it. Oh, so okay. the focus now is finding people across the country that genuinely need a little bit of money. And we're finding that even £100 is changing people's yes. lives. Mm. Just at Christmas, we gave away £2,000. That was to £400 to five families. And the responses have been crazy. Right. Wow. People said, someone said they had to lie to their kids that Christmas was cancelled this year so that they could get away with not buying them presents and yeah. feeding them Christmas. And then the last giveaway we did, which was last week, we gave away £500 to someone to pay their energy bills. And again, that blew my mind because I travelled all the way to Blackpool, mm. met the family, and the lady had a premature baby. And the baby has to survive on an oxygen 
machine. Yeah. And the oxygen machine has to be on for 24 hours right. a day. Yes. We're already in a cost of living crisis, yeah. but you can't even afford not to have the money yeah. to keep your child alive. Yeah. Mm. So when we did that and we gave it a £500, I posted it online. And we raised in about 24 hours another £900 for that lady. Right. So all in, she'd made over 1500 to help her yep. go for the next few months. Again, do I feel great about it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Serotonin, I feel amazing. Now dopamine's kicking in in terms of, hey, let's do it again. Yeah. Mm. Get that feeling again. And this time I want to go bigger and bigger and bigger. So that's my goal. I mean, that's absolutely incredible. And I commend you for that. It really is. And it makes me happy just kind of seeing how happy you are about it. And I guess it is that kind of spiral effect, isn't it? We do have to go back because in order for you to get to this point where you can do giveaways, you had to start making money somewhere. And your strategy in property was rent to rent. Is that correct? Yes. So just explain to the viewers and listeners exactly what rent to rent is, how it works. And if somebody wanted to get involved in it, they could. Yeah. So rent to rent essentially is when you rent someone's property, mainly with their permission. So it's, hey, Mr. Landlord. Hey, Mrs. Landlord, can I rent your property with your permission? Can I turn it into a small boutique hotel? So essentially we take that property and we put it on Airbnb and Booking.com, or we provide short-term accommodations for different people. Yep. And you charge people per night like a hotel. Yep. So if you rent a property in, let's say, Birmingham, for example, you could re-rent it out for £150 per night, and you could generate around £3,000 per month. You pay your bills, and then you walk away with around £700 to £1,000 per month. The aim of the game is to scale up. And once you scale up and you've got 10, 15, 20 of these properties you could be generating 5000 to 10000 pound per month yeah and that's how i got into property so when mr yusuf gave me those keys yes he essentially said go and manage these properties i went on google and said how do i become an estate agent yeah. i had no clue yes and the first thing that came up like a sponsored ad was airbnb so i put some of those properties on airbnb and within my first month i generated about 30000 pound not profit that's mr yusuf's money yes and i took all the money out i remember it i'll never forget it because no one should do this but i took all the money out from airbnb to paypal from paypal to my bank account <laughs> went inside the bank took out the cash yeah. put it in my rucksack but i was cool carrying thirty thousand pound cash <laughs> but I, I do recommend people should try it sometime because you feel like you're walking like you feel special mm. and then you um, feel like a walking target <laughs> That was before the crime increase in London. <laughs> I wouldn't do it now. But eventually, as I mentioned, that was 2015. The relationship then broke down when the kids realised I was trying to steal their inheritance. Yes, yeah. And um, I had to decide whether I was going to carry on or whether I was going to chicken out and do what I did when my recruitment business failed. That's right. one of my biggest regrets. Right. That failure isn't a bad thing. When the recruitment business failed, I should have done what I would have done today, which is go back in again. Right. And just make sure that I plug the holes where you know, where there was leaks. Yeah. And um, I had to make that decision. And I said, are you going to be a coward and run away again? Or are you going to take what you've just learned, refine it and go again? Yeah. And I decided to go again. But I guess you had to have had that failure with the recruitment business to know that failure isn't failing. You're not the failure. It's just what you've done has potentially failed. So how can you then rework that to make sure it's a success next time, which is exactly what you've done. You're so correct. I think that was absolutely the right thing to have happened. Otherwise, you wouldn't be where you are now. True. I love service accommodation. I think that the returns and the yields can be amazing. But you have to make sure that the title deeds or, or the lease, lease. allows you yep. to be able to do that. Because I think that I've looked at properties and I think now more so than ever, especially like flats or yep. apartments, a lot of the homeowners that live there mm -hmm. 
don't like the other flats, yeah. part of that development being used for service accommodation. Mm. So if you ever come across that hurdle, how would you approach it? I guess it? mortgage lenders as well sometimes don't allow yeah, it. Yeah, you are 100% correct. Those two things are the most important things you've got to consider, which is why my pitch says, hey, Mr. Landlord, hey, Mrs. Landlord, with your permission, can I? So yeah. that's the first thing. You've got to make sure you get permission. Yeah. And again... A lot of people assume subletting is illegal. That's not the case. Illegal subletting is illegal. It's illegal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you don't get permission, yes. the whole idea of getting permission is to inform the landlord to go and check their mortgage lender and to check the lease. Yes. Now, it's interesting to note that there isn't any properties that specifically prohibit service accommodation from happening. Right. But there are many that don't permit. So it's important to catch that. Right, okay. So some leases will say things like, this property or this premises can only be used as a single family dwelling. Yes. Or it might say, you cannot or you shall not use this property for a business. For a business, yeah. So if they have omitted that or if it's not in it, you haven't actually broken the terms because right. it doesn't prohibit Yes. It. However, in my opinion, the safest and the best way to scale this business is to go to houses yeah. where you're working yes. with the freehold. Freehold, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's easier because you can put a lockbox also. When you're operating from a block of flats, you can't drill into someone's door yeah. and it becomes a bit more intensive. Yeah. yeah. So generally, you'll go for a house. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Or there are certain buildings also where there's one specifically in Canary Wharf that they say, hey, this whole building, everyone's doing Every, service yeah, accommodation yeah. in there and they're happy yeah. with so. Yeah. So what would you say would be the risks and the benefits of this type yeah. of strategy of investing in property? Cool. So this is one thing that gets me in a lot of trouble with other mentors right. because everyone likes to sell the dream. But I think a lot of people fail to realise that also selling the negatives still makes you money. So I talk about all the things that happen in the business, such as the positives, you can make 700 to to £1,000 per month. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, just like any business, let's be frank, 60% of businesses fail in their first year. Yeah. What makes you think you're going to be super special and it's yeah. not going to happen to you? So kind of bake that into the equation. But more importantly, this business has fraud, parties, escorts, prostitutes, fights. Yeah. These are all things that I've experienced yeah. in this business. But most people don't know it. They say, oh, I'll get a property, put an Airbnb. But fraud, parties, escorts, prostitutes, they all happen at hotels at the moment. We're just a glorified form of hotels. Yes. So people come to us. Yes. So you're still going to face those issues. But if you have an honest mentor that's willing to say those things, we can then give you the blueprint on how to navigate and how yeah. to make sure it doesn't affect your business. Yeah. I love that. That's basically real talk. Yeah. You say how it is mm. and there's no sugarcoating at all. Not at all. I mean, that was absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you trying to trap me there? No. <laughs> no. no, I actually think that you have to explain to people there's going to be some rough with the smooth. And if people accept that, I think it's so easy nowadays for people to be sold a dream. And then when that dream does come to fruition, people are pointing the fingers and looking at you. I think that definitely if you're honest and transparent mm -hmm. with people, you have the best chance of succeeding Absolutely. together. Agreed. Would you say that over the years you've seen a rise in people wanting to get involved in property and especially younger people as well? Yeah, 100%. And if so, what do you think that is down to? So I did some research, actually. The average adult spends about 46% of their week pursuing money. Right. So that means you wake up at five, you get ready, you leave the house, you go to work, the cycle continues. That's 46% of your week. Problem is, the average adult hasn't spent more than 10 hours in their lifetime actually studying or understanding money. So when we did this research, we found that there were, I think we asked probably about 100 or so people, which again isn't the biggest sample, but let me not discredit my theory. <laughs> yeah. We asked about 100 people, but what we found was the only people that had spent 10 hours plus actually trying to learn and understand money or pursue money were people under the age of 25. Right. 
it's interesting because you'll assume a 60-year-old has been alive for longer. Mm. But the problem is they're so stuck in their ways that they don't feel that they need to learn more. Yeah. But the younger generation, going back to answer your question, the reason why they're super hungry at the moment and the reason why you're seeing an influx of younger people coming into property is because it's visible. We spend a lot of our time on Instagram. Mm. We spend a lot of our time being able to see other young people succeeding. Yeah. So that's why we see these young people Googling how to make money, yeah. looking at options and ideas on how they can get into property or create some sort of wealth. So it's just visibility. And I think it's important to have some representation, see other yes. people, other black people, other communities yeah. flourishing so that you can also believe that it's possible. Yeah, definitely. So what would you say your top line is then for when people come to you and they ask, how do I get involved in property investing? Pay me money. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, after that one. Yeah, after that Second one. line. No, um, it's a couple of questions. The first thing is, what's your goal? So I asked them two questions. Are you looking for money today, aka income, or are you looking for capital appreciation? AKA future money. Yeah. So you've got to be able to distinguish that. So if you're on, let's say, less than £10,000 per month, your focus shouldn't actually be on future money because you need to create income today yeah. because income today allows you to take greater risk. Income today allows reduces stress levels. Income today allows you to take those bigger risks. Yeah. If we're talking about developing properties, as you guys would know, a development doesn't happen tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. So someone buys a property, it could take six months, could take nine months, could take a period of time. So we've got to focus on income first. So that's the first question. What do you need? Number two, what's your time allocation? How much time do you have available? Are you a student? If you've got a full-time job, yeah. do you have a family? What's the situation? And then from there, it's how much cash do you have available in the bank? So it's not how much yeah. can you raise yeah. or can I ask uncle and aunt? What do you have today? Yeah. Then we can formulate what direction. As you know, there are 10, 15 different property strategies, yeah. buy to let, buy refurbish, refinance, commercial conversions, yeah. service accommodation, yeah. lots and lots of them. So that will help navigate what direction yeah. you yeah. should go. And have you ever tried any other strategies or do you mainly stay to rent to rent service accommodation? No. So I've tried deal packaging yeah. as a strategy. I'm a buy to let landlord commercial property and buy refurbished refinance. Okay, so buy to let landlords, landlords in general, they get a bit of bad name, don't they? A bit of stick. But I know you always like to stand up for landlords. So I feel like this is a moment for you to to say your piece as a landlord, oh. as a good landlord. I know you are a good one. There are good well, ones out there. A couple of things I do. Well, a couple of things that I did. I dropped my rent down for some of my tenants in London. And I'm about to do it. Same thing again as cost of everything is going yep. up. So landlords are not just this money hungry bunch of people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. I, I say, let me just say something. Some of them are. So, some. Some are. You're clearly not. Okay. But there are some that, regardless of the, the cost of living crisis, they want their money, ultimately. And I think that if you were my landlord, mm. I would be extremely grateful mm -hmm. that... Yeah. I can call you, speak to you, and you are the way that you are. Mm. But there are some landlords that don't care. Again, just throwing out a question out there, is it a landlord's responsibility to care? If we look at it from the point of view, as long as they are being ethical yes. in terms of they've followed the regulations, yep. legislations, they're running a business. You know, I totally agree with that. And I think that for me, the problem that tenants and landlords have mm. is communication. I think a lot of the time... There's a miscommunication or almost, for whatever reason, a distrust. I don't like to have a portfolio property because I don't like to be a landlord. Scarlett likes to have a portfolio. I'd rather buy, redevelop, flip, and then move on. And I think that your approach where you have, I suppose, compassion and empathy mm. are, yeah, they're qualities that 
I don't often see in landlords. Not that I know many landlords, okay. but mm. you are right because it's the landlord's business and if it's somebody can't it? pay that money, then they will get somebody else in who can pay that money. Spot on. So I do understand that. And I just think that for me, it's communication and a, a willingness because ultimately I, we were filming yesterday and I'll talk to a builder. Builders like landlords, like estate agents, for whatever reason, will get a bad name and a bad rep. So I said to the builder, you've now got an opportunity to tell your clients and everyone else who's about to hire a, a builder what makes a difficult client. Because as a landlord, you also know that tenants can be difficult. So I said, what makes a difficult? What things are your bugbears? And he told them. So I said to the clients, don't do these things. <laughs> simple. And simple, simple as that. Yeah. And then I also said, what would make the relationship better and make the whole process smooth? Yeah. And he said, so I turned around to the clients and I said, do these things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that with landlords, as yourself, you're a landlord, can you tell the listeners what would make the relationship smooth? What can they do to make things better? And what have you seen from tenants mm -hmm. that cause problems? So I self-manage a lot of my properties down south. And the ones up north, I give it to a management company. Right. Everyone's been fine so far. Right. Apart okay. from just one person. Oh. Just been demanding. Asking for hotel service as a tenant. It's two completely different things. Yes. If you booked a service accommodation at Airbnb, you get hotel service. If you're a tenant, as long as I've given you an amazing product, it's your responsibility to look after the, pro yes. the property. I think when you mentioned that there's a misalignment between landlords and tenants, and that comes down to government narrative. Right. Okay. The information out there is landlords are greedy and landlords are out to make money. Yeah. But the thing that tenants have never considered is the true cost of being a landlord. So when I was on a show recently, they said, oh, well, landlords are just trying to make as much money as possible. But if we spend some time literally breaking down to tenants what the costs are. So number one, you've got to find a deposit to buy the property yeah. in the first place. Yeah. Then you've got legislation. Then we've got this EPC change potentially happening yeah. in 2025, yeah. which is going to cost each individual landlord around £10,000 if they need to make changes. Yeah. Then we've got all sorts. So it means any money that I'm generating, I can't even spend it. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got to put some aside to make sure. Then we've got taxation. Yeah. Then we've got being a decent landlord and fixing the washing machine or the boiler. <laughs> yeah. This happens. Yeah. So I think if people understood that there are costs, and why shouldn't people make some money yeah. from their investment? Because no one complains when I put £50,000 into the stock market and I make some money. Yes. But if I take the same 50000 and it happens to be invested in property, then I'm the bad person. Yeah. I have a lot yeah. of fights on TikTok. I love TikTok because I have a lot of <laughs> oh, fights really? on TikTok yeah. because landlords are called parasites. I don't know if you've... No. You, you've never heard that before? No. No way. Wow. Oh, that's the cuss for You know, oh, really? back in the days when you say your mum or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That's the cuss for landlords. Oh, wow. You're a parasite. You don't put... Because supposedly we don't produce anything in society we take. And I'm like, it's the total opposite. Yeah. Yeah, Landlords are fundamentally providing shelter and housing, which is the most basic human needs. Yeah. But because there's profit, so what's the profiteering of people? And again, I've done the data on this. Supposedly, landlords are responsible for first-time buyers not being able to get on the market. Yeah, I've Dis heard that. I disagree, because if you look at the data... Buy to let landlords account for 10% of 10 to 13% of purchases every single year. Right. So how come we're not talking about domain an 80 plus percent yeah. that's buying property and causing the prices yeah. to rise? Yeah. We all need someone to point at, and unfortunately we can't point at the government, which we should, yeah. mm -hmm. but we'd rather point at landlords. But So you think it's obviously smoke and mirrors? And oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've heard it there. 
Yeah, uh, this is my favourite part of the podcast, TJ. This is where you have to finish these sentences. Ooh. Best and worst of something. So I want quick fire. Your best property investment has been? The one I've just finished in Durham. And why? Because it looked absolutely amazing. Oh. Yes. Okay. Okay, fair enough. Your oh, worst... Actually, I want to see that now. I, I do actually want to see yeah. that. It's on my Instagram page. Okay, I'm going to have okay. a look. We'll, All right, we'll okay. come back to your socials. Yeah, yeah, sure. Your worst property investment has been? A listed building I bought in Kent. And why? Because I have no clue what I'm doing. Because it's listed. <laughs> <laughs> because it's listed. You, that word listed sends a shiver down. <laughs> it still sends a shiver down. Was fine. I bought it three years ago and I shouldn't have bought it. And what have you done with it? It's still sitting there. What do you mean? Well, it's taken two and a half years to get planning. Number one, that's another conversation that people need to know about yeah. landlords. Yeah. yeah. Um, complain that there's no housing, but landlords have to jump through so many tapes to provide the housing yeah. that's yeah. needed. But that property is... Oh, no. Yeah. I have no clue what I'm doing, man. Okay, we'll try and help you. you on know, that I, I love your honesty, though, TJ. I know, right? Like, I bought a lifted building, don't know what to do with it, and, and it's still sitting there. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point lying. Fair enough. And uh, your biggest lesson as a landlord was? Don't try and do everything. Okay. Yeah, get someone that knows what they're doing. And again, it goes back to my Germany situation. You don't know everything. Yeah. So mm -hmm. find someone that can help you. Okay. And best and worst tenants, are you going to tell us or is that top secret? Oh, best tenants, <laughs> some of my London tenants. Yes. I think they're more appreciative, the ones up north. If we've got listeners oh. from up north. Um, that was TJ said it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't say that. That was TJ. It was TJ. His name is TJ Atkinson. <laughs> and you can find him at... <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> That's what Shaggy said. Um, TJ, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Please let everybody know where they can find out more about you and if they want to follow you. Sure. So I hang out on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So that's TJA Life, L-I-F-E. And then TikTok as well. So same thing. Same thing. TJA, obviously, for Atkinson and life. And life. It's all about your life. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and lastly, before you go, you are actually going to pursue comedy, aren't you, at some point? Yes, 2024. And I laughed about this. And then actually I started watching you a lot more on your yeah. socials. And I actually genuinely laughed out yeah. loud. Okay. So I wish you the very best Thank with that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank Take you. care and good luck with the giveaway. Thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciated TJ's honesty during our conversation. Yeah, me too, actually. I was hoping for some more jokes, though. No, 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 I wasn't. No? He did really share some insightful points about the costs associated with being a landlord and how government narratives can shape people's perceptions of landlords. Most definitely, Scarlett. Now, we want to extend a big thank you to TJ for joining us. And next week, mm -hmm. we'll be joined by property finder and relocation expert, Lexi Carducci. Until then... See you later, Stuart. Take care, Scarlett.